0: Good afternoon, traders, and welcome to Stock Market Movers. I'm excited to get into today's show. We got a great one for you. A lot of headlines to get through. Of course, we'll talk about all the earning stocks that are out there. There's too many, really, to cover. But I'll make sure that we get through as many as possible right here in a one-hour session. We got a great show for you today we got, of course, some experts like always. We got Sadek Waba, founder and cha- chairman and managing partner of iSquare Capital. It's going to be a great conversation, an economist, a legendary economist in my eyes. So excited to get into that conversation. That'll be at one15 then we got at 145, Ivan SpineSef, of course, Senior Partner and Chief Investment Officer and Director of Research at Tigris Financial Partners. We'll talk about tech stocks. We'll talk about Tesla's earnings and what other stocks are coming up with some big earnings. If you guys got a question about tech, definitely throw it in the chat there and I'll make sure that we get it to Ivan. Let's get into our show. Welcome to Stock Market Movers. I'm your host, Money Mitch, and let's get things started today. There are three ways to make a living in this business. Be first, be smarter, or cheat. I can't help you cheat, but I can give you the informational edge to help you succeed in the markets. Welcome to Stock Market Movers, all the market moving headlines and expert opinions every day. They say money is the oxygen of capitalism and I wanna breathe more than any man alive. All right, let's get into the conversation today. We got a lot to talk about. Of course, a lot going on in the macro situation. Also, of course, going on here in the U.S. Let's talk first things first. Of course, U.K. Prime Minister Louise Truss resigning Thursday from following a failing budget uh, was in office for just 44 days as the shortest serving prime minister in Britain history. That, of course, came in in the pre-market, definitely shook things up. But we also got economic data to come in today. And we got, of course, the Philly uh, Fed Manufacturing Index that came in Lower than expected, of course. The prior was a negative 9.9 9 reading, we got a negative 8.7 reading. The estimates were a negative 5.0, and it looks like this is not what we need, of course, to turn around the story that we're looking at. And also, the same thing in U.S. job initial jobless claims, right? The initial jobless claims dropping, not what we need, of course, to get a weaker labor market so that we can get away from raising interest rates but it seems here the u.s initial jobless claims coming in at two hundred and fourteen thousand versus the 230 estimate let's get into the market action though let's take a look at the markets right now looks like the spy is coming down coming down fast after holding up out the gates it kind of went back through was trying to make that push towards around 373 Turned back around and now is falling fast as we're around 366.50. We'll see if we get through the support. Was looking today to see if we would crack 365. If that does crack, I think we're heading back down, but we'll see what happens. The truth is nobody knows. All right, let's continue. Let's get into some of the earning stocks out Right now, of course, uh, there's a lot to talk about, so I'm going to try to do my best to get through all the earnings. If you guys got a stock that caught your radar, throw it up in the chat. And once more, I'll apologize a little bit for being late, Kenneth. At the end of the day, one of the things is we don't have an exact time that we got to get on, but sometimes some other shows go a little bit over. Today, I started a little bit late. I had to make some adjustments right before the show started, but we're here and we're here for you so let's get right towards the market let's go towards Tesla's earnings of course that caught everyone uh, a little bit by surprise i would say but i mean hey uh, tesla has been downtrending for a little while now let's talk about their earnings and what did we see there well their eps came in here at a dollar 5 beating the dollar estimate sales at 21.45 billion missing the 21.96 billion estimate CEO Elon Musk said that the company is not cutting back on production in any meaningful way. Recession or not recession. Uh, He also stated that we're very pedal to the metal come rain or shine. Um, Now, when he also kind of gave some comments on the interest rates rising and stating that the Fed's decision makes sense if you're looking out the rearview mirror But if you're looking out the front windshield, well, doesn't make sense there. And so pretty much calling out that the Fed is raising interest rates using lagging indicators and essentially that they should stop. But we'll see what happens. Musk also said that he was excited about the Twitter situation. Of course, uh, you guys know that uh, everyone was waiting to see if there was any Twitter mentions Twitter definitely got a spike when this was mentioned. This is that pop that you see at 6.30. And it's up there now towards that 52.40. We'll end up seeing what happens with the Twitter situation. Of course, everyone was wondering also, would Elon get the question about would he sell some more shares? And of course, no one stepped up to the plate to ask that because I'm sure they would have got the quick answer that you're pretty, not, pretty much not getting an answer right now. On the call, he also mentioned the outcome where Tesla's valuation could exceed Apple and Saudi uh, Ramicos combined $4.3 trillion market out cap. This one seemed to me a little bit as a reach there from Elon, but he tried his best to turn around the stock. You can see here, we got an even a bounce in the morning, a reversal around 10 a.m. It went up there towards 216 and quickly Right back near the open. The opening price was 209.70. We're at 208.40, really close towards that opening price. All right, keep going from Tesla. We got IBM. I want to try to get through as many as possible. So I'm going to try to get through a couple of these before we get to our first interview. And you guys don't want to miss that. All right, let's get to IBM and their Q3 earnings here. Let's talk about it. IBM EPS coming in at. 181 beating the dollar and 78 cent estimate, sales at 14.1 billion beating the 13.55 billion estimate, and it kind of pulled back here right towards the support. Found the bounce there, so this one's actually holding up pretty well. If you take a look at the hourly, we'll see if we get back through kind of the hourly high here towards 128.20s, getting through some of these wicks 128.50s. That's what I'd be looking for to kind of have a nice bullish close there for IBM. And definitely this is bouncing back, had a decent kind of bounce back in the last couple of weeks. We'll see if it can get back towards a 200-day moving average, 50-day moving average right now around 127.17. And it seems like that's holding pretty well right now around that 127 level. We'll see if this can make that run towards the 128s. All right, one more that we'll get in here. Let's go towards LRCX. This is Lamb Research. One that I've been really kind of focusing on, and this one had, you know, moves both ways, right? I mean, after hours, when the earnings first hit the tape, you saw, of course, a little bit of a spike. That's the spike you see here in the after hours at 4.15. It did get a spike there. Lamb Research EPS coming in at $10.42, beating the $9.55 estimate. Sales at $5.07 billion, beating the $4.88 billion estimate. Now, one area where this one actually did fall down and going towards uh, over here where you can see that kind of down action in the after hours, this was, of course, on mentions from revenue and definitely not what you wanted to see there. And uh, when you see mentions of revenue, why were they mentioning that? Well, they were mentioning of the impacts that the licensing is having right now on LAM research, of course, with the CHIPS Act and Different kind of moves right now that are going and increasing the tensions between U.S. and China. I think this is definitely something to keep on watch. You can see it's affecting LAM Research's revenue, but it's still got a spike today. So nice spike there for LAM Research. We've been keeping a watch on some of these semiconductor equipment materials. Of course, you guys can watch some of these names also. Um, some of the names have already reported Um, So you guys can keep watch some of these like KLAC and ASML earlier. They all got a little bit of a pop today. AMAT also. So we'll see if this actually affects the bottom line. All right, getting out of LRCX. Let's go ahead. Um, We're going to go into our interview in a second here. Like always, do me the favor, team. Smash the like. And if you guys have a question coming up, That's what it's all about here, Uh, right here on Benzinga, the only place where you guys get to run the show also. So if you have a question, throw it up in the chat. That's what the competitive advantage here on Benzinga is all about. All right, let's go ahead. In a second, we're going to get into our interview. Just want to go ahead and make sure that my guest is ready. I think he's ready to go. So let's go ahead. Let's get right to it. One of the things that we always want to do here at benzinga is try to keep you guys in the informational edge so i'm excited to go ahead and get into our first interview today All right, let's bring on for the first time on the show, Sadek Waba, founder and chairman and managing partner of iSquare Capital, member of the president's National Infrastructure Advisory Council and the member of the Council Advisory Council for Wilson Center. It's good to have you on. Same here, thanks for having me, Mitch. And uh, I I had a little bit of the research done knowing that you're coming out of Miami, my, my kind of where I grew up, so. Power to Miami. Definitely. Best Let's place. Me, yeah. Best place. I'm sure it's <laughs> shining outside and the beaches are still good this time of year. So
1: Exactly. And, it, and it's, and it's uh, almost Friday.
0: Yeah. And becoming more and more of a financial hub. So it's good Absolutely. to see it. Absolutely. Definitely. Let's get into the questions today. You have stated that this is the infrastructure decade. I think it's an amazing comment here. Now, what will come from this massive shift in policy, and how will this be a win for the Biden administration?
1: Look, you have to really give it to the Biden administration. They have done something extraordinary, which few presidents have been able to achieve since, frankly, Eisenhower, which is to put together a series of infrastructure bills and initiatives. So you had the infrastructure uh, bill of about $1.2 trillion dollars looking to upgrade our water systems, wastewater, roads, bridges, uh, power distribution system. You've had the CHIPS acts that you've mentioned. You have the Inflation Reduction Act that is looking to really push for green infrastructure. Uh, And then you've had uh, what people are not talking a lot about it, which is the Global Infrastructure Initiatives, which is $700 billion, of which the U.S. is going to put $200 billion to push for infrastructure globally, part of what I would call a strategic competition initiative, really try to ensure that the US has global access to key resources by investing in ports, uh, global infrastructure, fiber optic, and so on, that gives the US an edge that it has uh, lost a little bit over the last couple of decades. Uh, What it will do to the US economy is ultimately increase American productivity. That is what you want to achieve through technology, through investment in infrastructure, Uh, which is through education, which is the ability to increase American productivity across the board, because that tames inflation, that gives you sustainable economic growth over the coming decades.
0: Now, what are some barriers that we're going to run into with the infrastructure bill and how can we address these issues?
1: I'd say there are two main barriers. The first is that you have to be able to have a system that allows that money to trickle down into the states and municipalities because most of that money is effectively from the federal government and some of it is matched money from the states. So what the Biden administration has done is put a system in place where they're trying to prioritize key projects that are going to be helpful to the cities, to the municipalities, and not just focus on shovel-ready projects or things that look nice uh, in the short term. So that's an important consideration, and so you need to have the cooperation between states and federal government. That's extremely important. The second thing is m- that money is ultimately going to run out, right? You, you It's there for seven years, uh, but what happens beyond that? If you upgrade an airport, you upgrade roads, you upgrade your water systems, That will last for a couple of years, critical to do, but then what next? So you need to find sustainable, long-term sources of capital. And there, the only way that you can achieve that is through the private sector. Capital markets, whether it's pension funds, whether it's private or public pension funds, or any other private actor, need to be able to be involved in the infrastructure story in the United States to be able to sustain this massive investment that the Biden administration has started.
0: Now, what are some of the impacts or the positive effects that we're going to see come out of the Inflation Reduction Act and whether or not does this bill actually fight inflation?
1: So the bill fights inflation. Uh, Will it fight inflation, bring it to zero today? No. Uh, Will it uh, help in reducing inflation over the medium to long term? Absolutely. Because what it does, it allows you to effectively reduce the cost of energy to households, to manufacturing by bringing in uh, a lot of credit through the introduction of uh, clean energy. So you're encouraging people to bring in um, solar, bring in wind, uh, and at the same time for manufacturing and households to be able to insulate themselves uh, from the volatility that you see in the energy prices and make it the house more efficient, reducing the energy bill. So these are some of the things that you're going to see in that bill. Uh, And of course, a major encouragement to help greening the economy.
0: Now, how long do you think it's going to really take to get inflation back down to the Fed mandate of 2%? And do you feel like the Fed is just being too aggressive here in their hike rates?
1: Look, if you ask me what's going to dominate the news over the coming uh, 12, 18 months, there's only one thing. Inflation, inflation, inflation. Um, th- if you take a step back, uh, we have had a monetary expansion since 2008, which took the Fed's balance sheet from $1 trillion to $9 trillion. Uh, You then had multi-trillion dollars uh, as part of the fight against COVID, which was absolutely necessary, but that caused major distortions in the economy. Saving rates for households went up to 14%. It caused distortions in the labor market we're still seeing today. Uh, You've had, uh, unfortunately, the war in Ukraine, which was unexpected, and that caused further distortions and disruptions in the supply chain, and a massive spike in energy, and a fundamental change in the way we're going to think about energy security, which invariably means a high cost. Uh, And then, last but not least, you're going to, you've seen a weakened China increase in tariffs. You were talking about it earlier this morning, which I think is not good because an increase in tariffs means that at the end of the day, uh, consumers in the U.S. pay a higher price. So all of that means that inflation is going to be very sticky and difficult to bring down. There's a very interesting uh, report uh, by a very good friend of mine uh, at BFA that has shown that to reduce inflation, that has been over 5% to 2% for industrial economies takes on average 10 years. We're at 8 plus percent, so it's not going to happen overnight. And that's what people need to understand. We are not going to be able to reduce inflation significantly in 12 to 18 months. There are two ways the Fed can do that, a very aggressive policy, which is certainly going to push the economy and the global economy into a recession, or one where it's a much more steady one it will take longer but maybe the pain will be less and that trade off is what effectively the fed is going through so what the fed is going to do in the coming 12 in the coming months i would say is going to be determinant to what happens to the us economy over the coming two years
0: Seems like they got some massive decisions to make. And it seems like uh, everyone pointing to lagging indicators that they're focusing on. Do you feel that they focus on lagging indicators or they should kind of change their outlook on what they're using?
1: Listen, I have a strong faith in the Fed and the people who are there. Uh, we've had a professional Fed for the last couple of decades, uh, very smart people. I, I, I couldn't ask for more. It's simply unprecedented where we had monetary expansion for 14 years and no inflation. And suddenly it props up. And there is a lot of reason why that has happened. But people are still trying to understand why did it take that long for inflation to uh, show up. Uh, I think the war in Ukraine has been a major element. The trade war we're having with China has been another element. And of course, uh, adding to that trifecta is COVID, right, which no yeah. one expected.
0: Definitely. Now, there has been a debate recently about who the leader is in the U.S. electric vehicle push. Who do you see as the current and future leader in U.S. EV growth?
1: You know, I think it's very difficult to say at this stage because what we're seeing today is going to be very different 10 years from now. Uh, In investing in EV, there are so many components. So you have to invest. The principal investment is in the battery. You need to ensure that you have strategic supplies of the inputs that go into building that battery. Um, you're relying still on uh, key commodities which are outside of the US. To the extent that you want to do uh, differently, that is going to increase the cost. You need to have an entire infrastructure system of EV stations. Uh, and then the most important one from a sustainable perspective, what do you do with these batteries six, seven, eight years from now when you need to replace them? Uh, There is going to be a major environmental issue as to how to deal with those batteries, and people are not talking about that. So you need another good decade to be able to find out who is going to be the winners or losers.
0: Now, recently, it seems like the U.S. has been increasing tensions, of course, with the U.S. and China, whether it be the battery manufacturing that we saw yesterday or the CHIPS Act. What impacts will these policy shifts
1: have on U.S. and China tensions? But you said that earlier in your segments, uh, increasing tariffs is not good for the US consumers. Uh, Having a trade war with China is not positive. Uh, Why? China represents 25% of world economic growth. So world income, China is 25%. The US is about the same number. So half of the world economy depends on two countries, China and the US. So we cannot afford at this stage to have tension between the two countries, certainly economic-wise. At the same time, uh, we are not the ones who have been provoked, right? So, so China has to be able to be uh, reasonable in its approach. Uh, the policy that the Biden administration has, has adopted, which is to compete, align, and build, is important. I think at the end of the day, for us to ensure that we have the edge in that strategic competition that is going to happen over the coming decades, is first and foremost to invest in our own economy. We have the most flexible economy in the world, banan. Uh, you, when you compare it to China, much more command control economy than the US. We have an extraordinary labor market, which is very flexible. Uh, you have internal mobility from one state to another. That doesn't exist in China. It's very difficult for people to move from one province to another. So we have all of the elements. We are one of the most innovative economy that you can think of. So we have all of the elements. We just need to have the right policy. Uh, Washington needs to focus on the economy as opposed to various cultural wars. And that will allow us to give the edge, uh, I would say, the competitive edge against China uh, rather than make it uh, all about a conflict.
0: Recently, G7 Partnership of Global Infrastructure Investment Scheme or PGII, you know, seems like it's a relaunch of the Build Back Better World Plan or B3W under a new name. But do you feel that this truly is a better plan?
1: Yes, it is a better plan, only because it aligns itself with other G7 economies. Uh, China has been investing 8% of its GDP into infrastructure. Uh, The U.S. has invested less than 2% over the last couple of decades. So we are not going to be able to compete, and I like to say, focus on cooperation. so compete and cooperate, but we're not going to be able to do that unless we're able to coordinate uh, between the US and our strategic allies, whether it's Canada, UK, France, Japan, and so on. So that will allow us to leverage our resources and try and, I don't want to say compete with China, but if we need to, we will compete with China, but try to work in a constructive way to ensure that we have the right supply chains for uh, the United States over the coming decades, as well as our allies.
0: Love what you said there, compete and cooperate. I feel like that truly is the focus here. Now, ultimately, we've seen that there's been trouble in Europe. What is ultimately happening here? And should we be concerned about a financial crisis coming out of Europe?
1: Well, we are going through a financial crisis um, and it's a combination of various things. It's a combination of monetary expansion that you've seen over the last couple of years. It's the fact that Europe was not able to make the fundamental changes that we did in 2008 in terms of structuring our economy, in terms of ensuring that the banking system is resilient to exogenous shocks. Uh, We were able to do that very quickly. We took our losses right up front I think Europe has been dragging their feet. You've seen what's happening in the UK. Um, someone sent me a joke uh, about uh, a, a little a picture with ten Downing Street with Airbnb uh, on it, saying uh, "available for short stays." Uh, so, so you have a lot of instability, uh, generally weak governments across the board uh, that are in Europe and are not able to coordinate their policy except that they've been able to find one common issue, which is the war in Ukraine. Uh, but given the economic uh, stress that they're going to see over the coming months, we have to see how long that will wait. That will happen.
0: Well, I just want to really thank you, Sadek Waba, founder and chairman of Managing Partner at I-Square Capital. Thank you for joining us today and helping us with a little perspective on the economy.
1: At all. Thanks for having me.
0: Have a good one. Enjoy the sun. <laughs> thank you. See you. Take care. There you guys have our first interview was really excited to get into that. You know, one of the things is Sadek definitely knows and understands the economy overall. And I think that he can clearly see kind of where we're heading. I really do like that comment about compete and cooperate, because that's what I think is truly the best kind of way to come out of this. Right. We've been talking about the kind of trends that we're moving into with deglobalization. And the truth is, we can't go completely, I think, away from globalization, but we need to figure out how to compete and cooperate together to kind of come forward in our economic outlook for the global outlook overall. Well, great conversation there. I think I could talk to Sadek for at least an hour, um, just hearing his minds and his thoughts on the economy. But let's get back into the stocks out there. We're going to get through some earning stocks. And just in a little bit at 145, we'll get to Ivan Feinzeff, Senior Partner and Chief Investment Officer and Director of Research at Tigris Financial Partners. And we'll talk about some tech, we'll get out of the macro. We'll go into more of the tech talk, see how some of these earnings have come out and what he sees moving forward. Let's get towards those earnings. Next one up, Is of course we've already gone through Tesla, IBM, and Lamb Research. Let's go into American Airlines and see how the airlines did today. All right. Well, it looks like there was a lot of kind of news that came uh even later on in the tape. So you got to be careful, you know, when you're going after kind of earlier headlines. I saw Uh, American Airlines keep putting out headlines continuously. Let's first give their numbers here, and then I'll show you what hit the tape that caused this downturn right before the bell. So American Airlines group Q3 EPS at 69 cents, beating the 31 cent estimate. Sales at 13.5 billion, beating the 13.25 billion estimate. American Airlines says based on current trends, they see Q4 total revenue at 11, 13% higher versus 2019 on 5 to 7% lower capacity. And they also see Q4 adjusted EBS at $0.50 cents to $0.70. Cents. Uh, CEO Robert Ism said that demand remains strong and it's clear that customers in the U.S. and other parts of the world continue to value air travel and the ability to reconnect post-pandemic. Now, let's talk about what hit the tape after that that really started shaking things up was when American Airlines, and this was reported by Reuters, American Airlines CFO says we now expect to take delivery of 19 737 max in 23 compared to 27 deliveries that were previously expected. So American Airlines getting hit hard right near the bell and a lot on that release that they would only get 19 737s versus the 27 that were expected and this has also affected Boeing right before the bell but it was able to rebound towards the open and I was wondering how this was going to truly affect Boeing it looks like it's hanging on here even though they're getting you know less deliveries expected but hey it's, the, it's American Airlines right now. And I feel like the airlines have been telling us that things are not as bad as it seems. So it's something to keep on watch how these airlines will keep performing. UAL is looking to see if it could close to 40 today, of course, already reported. Delta also. And um, Alaska Sky also didn't have a bad day also today. We'll see if American Airlines can turn back around. Um, it did go down with that report. I think this is one that you just keep on your radar. It seems like the environment isn't as bad as we think for airlines. And of course, eventually, if we do get into recession and oil prices come down, well, American Airlines will be looking at a little bit better environment than it's looking at right now. And it seems to be making up the price. I mean, the statement there that they're doing this on lower capacity just seems like they're passing the price down to the consumer. Let's continue going with some other talk out there. Let's go towards uh, a stock that definitely caught the tape today and was getting a nice little push back after not the best earnings report. But, hey, I didn't shake up anything there in Alcoa. You can see it went down with the report yesterday, but bouncing back here towards the open Alcoa and let's go through those numbers here Alcoa came in with an EPS at a loss of 33 cents missing the 13 cent estimate sales at 2.85 billion missing the 2.94 billion estimate Alcoa's 22 outlook company expects a total aluminum segment shipment to remain unchanged from prior projection ranging between 2.5 and 2.6 million metric tons in 2022 It didn't seem to me that that EPS missing by that much would have this run, but there you see it, guys. A big run there from Alcoa up there towards 41.50, changing around the daily chart, as you can see here. It was a big red day on yesterday, coming back through those highs. Now the big thing is, will it actually get back through the resistance? Close, let's say, above 41. That would get us out of of this bottoming pattern making its move to 45 if you're looking for a reversal there in Alcoa. Not a bad little bounce back today off the 34 support and blew right back up towards the top side. Alcoa here. Let's get to the next one. Um, we can go into AT&T's earnings. This was an interesting one and I definitely caught how it was shooting up out the gates. I thought it could get some lift today. What I kind of you know, stayed in this one? Not really. I, I think I would have kind of been more in and out of AT and T. That's what I was mentioning this morning. Kind of more of a rent type of stock for me than the staying in it, unless you're looking at maybe getting the dividend. But AT and T's Q3 EPS coming in here at 68 cents, beating the 61 cent estimate. Sales at 30. Billion beating the 29.86 billion estimate. AT&T expects to achieve wireless service revenue growth in the upper end of 4.5 to 5% range and expects to reach more than 130 million 5G mid band pops by the end of the year. They also stated that they got net additions coming in at 7.13 million, easily beating that forecast of 4.7 so there you guys see AT&T getting some lift and it wasn't only AT&T I was calling out would the laggard play come into play with the relationship with Verizon and it did come into play uh, of course uh, leading it was AT&T and then it caught up Verizon uh, T-Mobile tried to make the same kind of move but then started uh, selling off in the afternoon when the markets sold off how's our market looking now Ooh, looks like it keeps kind of selling. But as long as it can hold, I feel 365 today. You're not looking too bad on the daily. Sideways action is not a bad thing for the Bulls. I think if you're a bear, of course, you're looking for that takedown of the 356. And actually closing back down there again would be a sign of concern for the Bulls. But it doesn't seem like we're heading there right now. Just kind of keep watch today to see if we crack that kind of 365 level going towards the close. We'll see what else is going on in the markets. There's a lot going on here let's do one more here. Let's do Philip Morris and then we'll go into what was hot and what was not really quickly before our interview uh next one we'll do philip morris here they had q3 pro forma adjusted eps at a dollar versus a dollar 37 cent estimate sales at 8.03 billion beating the 7.42 billion estimate and you guys can see it did get the spike in the morning but quickly coming right back down and i just feel like in the long run uh even though tobacco is a defensive stock you guys can look for it I think this is uh, one of those names that will just kind of keep selling off. I don't think uh, this is a name that I want to be a part of right now. And I think that they're going to have to change their business eventually. We all know how tobacco is slowly but surely going away. The question is, what will Philip Morris do? Of course, everyone mentions that they will definitely step into the cannabis industry. But how long will that take to get legal? And what will be the, wi- the writing on the wall? by the time Philip Morris gets to that moment. All right, getting out of that Philip Morris talk, let's go to what was hot and what was not. This is when we check the sectors and the industries that were moving today. You guys can see technology led from the open up about 0.28 from the open. This was really getting a spike in the morning. What were some of the stocks that I was seeing getting some lift? Well, of course, NVIDIA was getting some lift. It was up about over 3% earlier in the day. And I was also seeing Oracle getting a good lift today. That was getting a nice little push. So it looks like some software infrastructure names getting some lift. some semiconductors getting some lift. And I also saw, of course, the semiconductor equipment stocks take that nice little push. Adobe was getting a little bit of a bounce. IBM with those earnings, right? Holding up and, and not looking too bad right now. We'll see if we get through that 128.20. Seems like it rejects every time we're getting through that 128 but it just showed me a little bit of a bounce back there today in technology and then of course what happened well i started seeing the market go up it was going up it was going up and of course tesla started turning around started rolling over you guys can see the spy where we started rolling over apple started rolling over right around the same level and now we've been pulling back since then we'll see if we get a bounce or not Communication services, I talked about what was leading there. Of course, at and kind of holding that up today. Let's go into what was hurt the most. Utilities continuing down. It just seems like, you know, these can't catch a break right now. I mean, look at the XLU. And even though you got a little bit of a bounce, quickly right back down. And it just seems like it has completely broken this pattern. And that pattern no longer is relevant for us, no longer viable. And it's starting to keep coming down here as utilities keep getting hit all right another area that got hit today industrials and uh looks like we're rejecting to get back into this this is kind of my sector outlook here for industrials and we tried to make a little bit move back but can't hold there what was getting hit hard today well the railroads got hit hard today unp boom getting hit hard cni uh csx all these railroads not looking good of course we were given that already that kind of down outlook after the strike talk it felt like this kind of got a move up off of that and ever since then it's been going straight down all right getting out of the railroad talk financial services also selling back off and uh, let's take a look at some of the ones that have reported like goldman sachs good report jumped up there will it kind of fill the gap here and then finally find a bounce I'm not so certain, but it is trying to kind of fill in some of that gap zone. We'll see what happens there. Goldman Sachs, JPM uh, is also pulling back. Bank of America would expect it to be pulling back. Will these kind of catch the dip? Will someone be buying the dip mentality or will it just come right back down? Uh, It's just concerns with the banks, of course, with recession talks, but they should be making more money with higher interest. I'm just not sure about banks. I know I'm staying away. All right, getting out of the bank's talk. We can keep talking about what was hot and what was not, but we're going to get into our interview. Let's get out of Bank of America talk. And like always, we're going to get towards our next interview here. This is when we're going to get into more of the tech talk. We had some more economy talk earlier. Now let's get to Ivan Feinzeff, senior partner and chief investment officer and director of research at Tigris Financial Partners. Excited to have Ivan back on. Let's get it started. Ivan, welcome back to the show, my friend.
2: Good to be back. How are you?
0: It's good to be back. Definitely just trying to battle through the markets, just like I think everybody is. It seems like, uh, you know, every time there is some certainty, it's followed by exactly uncertainty. Um, it's been that type of market. How has the how has the year overall gone for you, Ivan?
2: Well, there's only one thing that is certain, and that is nothing is certain. It's that's been a tough for sure. Year, but like they say, every storm runs out of rain eventually, yeah. That's we know true. that the market goes up 75% of the time, and we look back at history. What's crazy is that every time we see a significant disruption to you know, a market uptrend, it's the beginning of the end, and stocks are going to go sideways or down forever. Yet we know that doesn't happen. We saw that in the recovery from the sell-off of March uh, 2020, the pandemic. Before that, the financial crisis. Before that, the tech wreck.com bubble before that 94 when the fed was aggressively raising rates with alan greenspan and then in the 70s and the 60s and so on all the way back to the crash of 29 every time we've seen a significant sell-off it has been a generational buying opportunity and i believe the same will hold true here and of course i mean gone sorry
0: No, I I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, right, they always say not timing the market, but time in the markets. And there's a reason why that quote stays there, right? Is that no matter what, you look back at the statistics, it's always up a little bit later down the line. And I think that's what we're all looking at. The
2: question is, is this more of a stock pickers environment here? Always, It's it's always. I mean, I, I believe in it's a market of stocks, not a stock market. While in indexing is a is a form of investing, you want to own the leading companies in the leading industries, things that are changing our lives, changing what we do, and are poised to change. Uh, you know, go through significant industry changes. And as an example. But more is going to happen. We're going to see the biggest change in the auto industry in the next two to three years than the entire 120-year history of the auto industry.
1: Yeah.
2: There is going to be an explosion of electric cars on the market that have all kinds of advanced features as far as safety, uh, leading to autonomous driving, uh, comfort, convenience. You know, the, the, This electrification of the auto industry is going to be a major paradigm shift now Among who do you tesla. see
0: uh well who do you see as the leader here ivan because like you said we want to be into these it's leaders, the emerging right? leaders
2: are going to be general motors and ford okay. general motors and ford so n- not including tesla there why not yes tesla's had it's i mean we all love tesla the cars are incredible and you gotta love elon elon Musk, uh, on so many levels. And it's almost crazy that he has had this industry to himself for 10 years. June of this year, June of 2022, was the 10th anniversary of the Model S. It really is shocking, it is sad and disappointing that the rest of the auto industry didn't shift faster. I mean, it should have been day one Tesla, day two, everybody else had electric cars. But it is coming. General Motors will have three new EVs on the market early next year. Their goal is 30 models by 2025 with the entire shift of their production to EVs by the end of 2030. They are so- also building out char- a charging infrastructure. They are going to sell batteries to support uh, backup power in homes, as well as being able to charge your vehicle and um, it, uh, the ongoing connectivity of software and services for Functionality and safety upgrades and feature upgrades is going to create this constant connectivity and customers for life, more so for the auto industry, for GM as an example, for Ford uh, and a couple of these other emerging companies. But first of all, the introduction of new models is going to drive consumers to the dealerships to see these new models. I mean, the biggest fear has been range anxiety and where do you charge and how fast can you charge? And people will install chargers in their homes. People who live in cities will see chargers, you know, all over the place. I'm seeing more and more chargers in the malls. near. I live in suburban New Jersey. A lot of these malls are installing chargers. And so far, most of them are free. Uh, There's a significant cost savings to drive, you know, an electric vehicle versus a gas vehicle or an ICE vehicle. And uh, it is going to create this paradigm shift in the auto industry.
0: Now, of course, we're talking about the EV automakers themselves. But of course, there's a lot of technology behind this, right? That needs to get kind of worked out here. And so are there any names here that you like in the technology? Maybe the thing behind the thing, like we say here at Benzing Okay.
2: First is um, Qualcomm, Qualcomm and NVIDIA. They are the ones that are making the onboard computers, followed by Mobileye, which will become a public company. Sometime later this year, Intel has filed for an IPO of its Mobileye division that they bought several years ago. So uh, it's all about chips. It's about connectivity. uh, It's about onboard infotainment. But I think the two keep so GM and Ford are my followed by Rivian are my auto picks. And then as far as uh, onboard connectivity and onboard computers, it's Qualcomm followed by Nvidia, then there's many other reasons why I like Nvidia as well. And uh, these are going to be the companies that will and then uh, companies like ChargePoint that are going to benefit from these necessary build out of a charging infrastructure, people are, as I said, are going to install chargers in their homes, they'll have to insert install fast chargers in their homes, there's going to be a proliferation of high speed and superchargers, you know, in all kinds in malls and strip malls and restaurant, you know, fast food restaurants, things like that, that will, you know, consumers go to that they can charge. And it'll all be about, you know, the car, the batteries will last longer, they'll go faster, farther on a charge, and you'll be able to charge faster. And we'll see this ongoing acceleration of these trends. As consumers continue, will ongoingly adopt and shift from gas cars to electric cars. The other interesting play is uh, Snap-on Tools, which will be a, is a major beneficiary from the ongoing repair of complexity of these vehicles. I mean, all these vehicles have all kinds of onboard cameras and sensors that connect to a computer, and if they're not working right, you have to be able to diagnose quickly what the problem is. And Snap-on not only makes tools, you know, such as ratchet wrenches and power tools to repair of cars, but they also make diagnostic equipment. They own the Mitchell manual that has all of the car specs. When you either have it in a crash, you have to get an estimate for what has to be repaired, as well as the stats of how you can reset, to, you know, how the mechanic sets the car back up to uh, factory standards. So... Um, Snap-on reported another great quarter. The stock's a little weak today. I think it's a buying opportunity. That's another play in part of this electrification of the global auto industry.
0: Not bad outlook there. I appreciate you bringing some different names into that. Now, one thing that I want to get into, we'll pivot away from kind of the EV. Now, I do have been seeing the recent rumors, right? It first started with different companies. Now, we just got another rumor from the information on Apple's production concerns. Do you have any concerns of Apple? And do you think it's still a
2: buy around these levels? Absolutely. Uh, again, Apple has been one of these stocks that you want to own and not trade. And every time there's been a weakness in Apple, it's been a buying opportunity. They don't communicate their production levels. And several years ago, they stopped reporting unit sales for iPhones. They report total revenue amongst their business lines, like total iPhone revenue, total iPad revenue, total revenue for uh, watches and earbuds and uh, other items, as well as uh, services revenue. And um, Apple, so I don't know for sure production unit levels, but I believe that total revenue will continue to grow, especially as consumers more consistently buy the more expensive phones. Uh, The ones that are in demand are the 14 Pro Plus. And uh, so the average selling price continues to increase as consumers buy the more expensive, more feature-rich phones so i think it's you will i'm not sure what we will see in in units and they don't report units and they certainly don't give unit guidance but i think you'll see a consistent growth in revenue but as apple continues to expand their ecosystem their user base it continues to drive growth in services and services has a run rate of you know close to 90 billion dollars on an annual basis right now it's very profitable those are things like um Apple Care, Apple Cloud, Apple Fitness, Apple TV, Apple Pay, etc. And um, the installed base as that grows, Apple will continue to see uh, significant growth in services revenue. And I think those are the key points more so than how many phones they're going to sell each quarter.
0: Seems like you feel Apple still has a lot of levers they can keep pulling.
2: Absolutely. And The next big thing is going to be a virtual reality headset from Apple that uh, could be announced as early as the end of this year to the beginning of next year. And that's all part of this paradigm shift to the metaverse. And it's all about these headsets and most importantly, content. Yeah,
0: definitely. It seems, I would have to say, Apple is definitely following the quality over quantity model there. And I feel like they truly
2: have. Brought some quality to Apple TV. Oh, um, uh, the, the the content can actually all this great content between on Apple TV, Disney Plus, Netflix. I mean, can definitely eat into your work time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and let's not to mention right uh, next year right, uh, Directv and their battle with uh, Sunday Ticket. Will Apple take that, right? That could give them definitely something underneath their belt. Now let's transition also, to a, a, Amazon,
2: ahead. Amazon Prime, Amazon, yeah. uh, you know, foot, uh, sports.
0: Yeah, um, that's, that's the, exactly the, where I was kind of heading to was Amazon. And do you feel that they'll have a good quarter? Uh, recently, they had their Prime Day. They didn't really kick it out the water, but will Amazon? Amazon
2: will always have a good quarter. They got so many things that they, yeah. you know, that everybody wants to focus on. Prime Day, they're focused on expanding their automated home uh, product offerings during Prime Day. What they continue to sell a lot of is Alexa-enabled product, Um, Fire Stick TV, Echo speakers. um, You know, Amazon continues to invest in like these emerging technologies that for the connected home, as well as continuing to invest in their logistics and fulfillment capabilities and their. you know cloud product offerings so it's about the cloud and the connected car will be connected to the cloud as well as communicating with other cars with traffic lights with roadways that are for example the GM Super Cruise works on Super Cruise enabled roadways you'll need update up constantly updated mapping information that all of the uh, autonomous technology companies and automotive companies continue to build their mapping database
0: I, I got a good question here coming out of the chat not necessarily a question but i think it was a good conversation is how do you feel that amazon will maybe take advantage of the recent irobot
2: acquisition um we just like tesla debuted this robot i mean uh I, I always like to say we like the idea of having robots and we like the self-driving yeah. car and the talking computer, but you know, we've all seen Terminator, so we do know how this could end. Get but to the all, chopper! <laughs> it's all about um, in-home technology and uh, iRobot mapping out, you know, and putting more technology in instead of just having sensors on the, um, the iRobot vacuum that controls it where it you know when it turns or where it Mm -hmm. vacuums but understanding the dimensions of the room and uh you're going to see more data i know that's scary but data collection centers to improve the operational functionality of these things and um we all definitely want to have a a robotic assistant right (laughs) yeah yeah Alexa,
0: Alexa, right? Maybe come into iRobot. Who knows? Uh, we'll yes. Never- oh, it's
2: definitely going to be integrated when you can say, uh-oh, I had a spill. Alexa, come and vacuum this up.
0: Come handle that, right? Yes. <laughs> we'll definitely see the life of the robots come into play. Appreciate you coming on like always. Ivan Seth not holding back. And always great to have you on, Ivan. Great,
2: great to be here. Work. Good to see you, Mitch. Have a Take great care, day. Take care, my friend.
0: All right, that's gonna do it for our show today. 2 p.m. I gotta get going here. Roadmap coming up next. There's a lot to talk about in the NFC NFT space. If you guys want to follow up, come on over to the roadmap. Now I will let you know that I will be joining the roadmap around probably around 235, 240. We're gonna be talking about so rare. So rare. What do you want to find out about it? Well, it's actually a NFT combining with the fantasy sports outlook they've had soccer they've had baseball now moving into the nba so come check that out team if you want to see me select my team for that nft fantasy outlook come on over that's what i'm going to be doing with so rare and it's absolutely free you guys can do it also so i want to see you guys over to the roadmap coming up next hit the like on the way out. If you guys enjoyed today's show, I want to thank Sadek Wabah, founder and chairman and managing partner of iSquare Capital for coming on today. And of course, Ivan Fine Seth, like always, giving us some great tech outlook. Hope you guys appreciated all the content. Smashed in a one-hour show. I'll see you guys a little bit later at At the Close. And if you're coming over to the roadmap, come see me to get my lineup started. We'll see you guys over in just a few seconds. I'm to make